0: We know that mental health disorders like generalized anxiety disorder can result in an increased likelihood of body dysmorphic disorder. We know that individuals who have experienced trauma have a greater likelihood of body dysmorphic disorder. And so, you know, we're looking at genetics. We're looking at a predisposition to general psychiatric issues.
1: Welcome to The Skin Reel, your guide to all things skincare, skin health, beauty, and more curated by dermatologists and true skin experts. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. I'm a double board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon with over a decade of clinical experience. If you're looking for real, practical, unhyped skincare guidance and expertise, or you just think the skin is really cool, then you're in the right spot. I'm so glad you've tuned in to The Skin Reel. Now let's dive in because this is how dermatologists talk skin. Hi everyone, quick disclaimer here before we start. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. If you're looking for help on your skin journey, please check out the American Academy of Dermatology's website, aad.org, where you can search their database for dermatologists near you. It is so important that you have someone in your corner who's well-trained, licensed, and board-certified who can help you make decisions when it comes to your skin health. Okay, got it? Great. Now for the fun
2: stuff. Hi there. Did you know that many of the topics I bring to you on the Skin Reel are things I actually see and treat in my office as a practicing board-certified dermatologist? That's right, at Bauckham Mina Derm Surgery, my business partner and I are on a mission to provide exceptional procedural dermatology care in Atlanta, Georgia. We offer skin cancer surgery to large cyst and lipoma removals, to injectables, chemical peels, microcorine, and more advanced techniques with things like liposuction, eyelid lifts, neck lifts, lip lifts, and so much more. But most of all, we love helping our patients transform their skin with real results. You know me, I am all about real skincare by real skin experts, real simple. If you're in the Atlanta area, I hope you'll stop by and see me. You can get more information at my website, atlantadermsurgery.com, or by calling 404- 844-0496. 8440496 I can't wait to see you Tatiana, thank you so much for being here. I am really glad we're having this discussion today on body dysmorphic disorder because this is something that even though we're in totally different fields, we both see. And as a dermatologist, I've been seeing this a long time, pretty much since I've been in practice. And I know you see this in your clients or patients as well. So thank you for being here. And I'd love for you to just take a few minutes to
0: introduce yourself to the audience. My name is Tatiana Matthews. I'm a licensed professional counselor and a certified rehabilitation counselor. I have been a mental health professional for over 25 years. I'm the clinical director for Atlanta Specialized Care with offices in Atlanta and Dunwoody, Georgia. I'm really happy to be here. So let's just start off with
2: what is body dysmorphic disorder for people who maybe haven't heard that term before.
0: Body dysmorphic disorder is a psychiatric disorder. It falls under the obsessive compulsive disorder category in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual number five. And in layman's terms, it really just means this idea, these beliefs that are distorted, and not based in truth about one's physical appearance that results in invasive thoughts And in response to that, the person begins to engage in some sort of repetitive behavior, whether it's checking, looking, picking, exercising, and that repetitive behavior causes an impairment in one's ability to function in their life. So it's impacting their general mental health, their energy, their physical health. Often it impacts their ability to do what's required on a daily basis, their ability to have relationships and be successful and have a sense of mastery as they would if they weren't bombarded by these fear-based thoughts and then the desire and need to try to mitigate them with some sort of behavior.
2: Yeah, so as a dermatologist, how... I sort of see these patients as they come in and they're very worried about something typically cosmetic that they see on themselves. And a lot of times I can't see anything at all and, and they fixate on it and they want it fixed. And sometimes they've seen dozens of doctors and trying to find someone to fix it, but it never really is fixable, right? It's just kind of like the Michael Jackson scenario where you keep working and working and working and it just never gets better. And in fact, it gets worse. So that's kind of how I see it in my practice. Do you find that there are a lot of people
0: who have this who aren't being diagnosed and treated? So we know that body dysmorphic disorder affects about one in 50, which is around two to five percent of the population. But When you're in the dermatological setting in plastic surgery world more often. We're seeing it's about 10 to 20 percent of the individuals walking through your door. About 60 percent of the time, it's women and about 40 percent of the time, it's men. And I think that's a really interesting statistic. I think that men are really hidden, that those numbers may be skewed. I think there's a lot of shame around the disorder. And so some men may be internalizing these worries and these behaviors that have developed in response to it. So I question the 40% if it potentially could be higher and that we're seeing it reported more often in women, but it's underreported in men. Yeah, that is a really
2: interesting statistic because I think just the general thought or at least how it's portrayed is that women care very much about how they look in their appearance and men don't. And we do see an increase in men coming in for cosmetic procedures and treatments, but it's important to know that they too can suffer from these intrusive thoughts and obsessive behaviors, right?
0: Well, and I think that unfortunately, because there is such a stereotype that BDD really is isolated to women, we are going to see that men may not be seeking the help that they need in comparison because it's easy to minimize someone who maybe is obsessed about their external appearance. They're spending a lot of time in the gym. We might tease and say, oh, they're a meathead, but they've got a great body. But we don't understand the amount of time that thought and behavior and response to thought is taking up that individual's day. And that goes for both men and women. What are some of the causes of body dysmorphic disorder? So body dysmorphic disorder, as I said earlier, falls under the category of obsessive-compulsive disorder. And very often we see that there are genetic predispositions for OCD-like behavior. So some of this can be genetics, that there's OCD in your family and this is how OCD is manifesting in a certain individual. We know that mental health disorders like generalized anxiety disorder can result in an increased likelihood of body dysmorphic disorder. We know that individuals who have experienced trauma have a greater likelihood of body dysmorphic disorder. And so, you know, we're looking at genetics. We're looking at a predisposition to general psychiatric issues. Again, anxiety, yes, depression. Some folks may be using control through their physical appearance as a way to manage distressing emotions. We know trauma, when someone has had their boundaries crossed and they feel very out of control, controlling other minor areas of their life can give them a false sense of comfort that's fleeting, but then eventually becomes disruptive. We know that folks that spend a lot of time on social media and a lot of time engaging in watching things through the entertainment industry are going to be more vulnerable to body dysmorphic disorder. Yeah,
2: I was kind of waiting for that, right? Because I think the go-to A reflexive thought people would say is, well, it's social media, right? It's our visual and aesthetically obsessed culture. And I'm sure that plays a a huge role. But to your point, too, there are also these other underlying factors as well. But I'd love to talk a little bit more about social media and the role it plays since we are on our phones all the time now. We're sharing everything. And there are all these amazing filters out there that make you look amazing. And I make a point of not using them, but sometimes it's really hard because you're like, I would look so much better if I just put that filter on. So how does this relate to BDD and what can we do about it?
0: So again, the research tells us that, you know, folks that spend an extended amount of time on social media or engaged in, you know, a hyper fixation on the entertainment industries have a greater likelihood of body dysmorphic disorder. And you talked about filters, and it's really hard for folks to remember that when they're experiencing that comparison game, looking at someone else who has a filter, who's been airbrushed, who has paid And made their job to maintain their physique in a certain manner. They're spending, you know, an extended amount of their day versus, you know, an average healthy amount of time exercising and, and taking care of themselves. So it's a really slippery slope. There's a line, you know, social media is fantastic. I'm one of 32 first cousins on my mom's side. That is how we stay in touch. I love to look at their pictures. I love to see what they're doing. I love to Keep up with friends from high school and college. I think that where we find ourselves in trouble is when we are seeing all good presentation. So, you know, when you have a friend where every picture looks like it was staged or maybe, you know, you're spending a lot of time watching a certain show where you're really intrigued by a character and you're having a hard time extracting fantasy from reality. Yeah, this podcast is going to be
2: promoted on social media. People get a lot of education on social media. So it's a double edged sword, right? Because there's a lot of good that comes with it, a lot of connection, but there is also this kind of rabbit hole that you can fall down where you are seeing all these people that look perfect to you and they're sharing all the amazing things in their life. And it's hard for people, even adults, smart people, you know, grown ups to be able to look at that and realize, okay, it's a filter, or it's airbrushed, it's not real. This is someone just putting out a very curated image that they want you to see. And also for a lot of celebrities and models, this is their job, their livelihood, depends on their outward appearance, right? And for most of us, we don't have to worry about that, right? But we're still comparing ourselves to these people who have unlimited resources and spend a lot of time working out, perfecting their body. So it's not really apples to apples, right? And it's important
0: to take all of that. And it was interesting. You went right to a place of, when you were describing, you used the words like amazing, perfect, smart. And I think that that is what happens when a lot of folks are looking at social media or engaging in some sort of entertainment, watching. They get into a place of judgment and they get in a place of better than and less than. And they have a hard time really assessing things objectively and not judgmentally and sticking to the facts. And, you know, I do it every day. You know, it's a slippery slope. And so I think the line with social media and enjoying, you know, reality TV shows or whatever it might be is if you find yourself getting into the better than or less than all or nothing, when you are experiencing that time on social media media or watching TV or a movie and it starts to become distressing, it's time to take a break.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I always get a little bit of a chuckle when I see these
2: clickbaits that say, you know, Kim Kardashian without her makeup or so-and-so without their makeup. And and you look at them, and you're like, okay, but they still have all their cosmetic surgery that's still there, and and their permanent makeup and all that other stuff. So just because they're not wearing makeup, it still doesn't necessarily mean that that's real, right? But I do love that Pamela Anderson, I don't know if you saw, she went to some film festival or some red carpet and she had no makeup on. And um, she certainly had, I'm sure, plastic surgery in the past, but you saw her looking more like a normal woman than she normally puts herself out there. And I thought that was great because that is what, however old she is, that is how people look. That was the real her. So I thought that was kind of refreshing to see her kind of just strip everything away and be vulnerable like that. And maybe we'll see the pendulum swing. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? You think people will
0: get more comfortable just being more natural, more vulnerable? I do. I think there's a few things going on. I think that, you know, what the research tells us is that part of why we are where we are is that our culture has become very appearance driven. And outside of genetics, outside of you know trauma, outside of psychological experiences and, and psychiatric predisposition, and outside of social media, how we are treated amongst our peers also impacts the way we view ourselves. So if we have an impression that our friends are judging us about our physical appearance or about our body, we are more likely to judge ourselves harshly. We know that folks spend a lot of time thinking about how their physical appearance impacts their ability to get a job or their ability to find a mate. And I think some of that is lifelong story, but in the last several years as social media has gotten hotter and watching real-time TV has gotten more intriguing, there has been a shift to an appearance-driven validation that our society has started to value what I'm hearing from adolescent girls right now. So they will talk a lot about avoiding bat shaming, about avoiding anything that sounds like judgment around physical appearance. They talk a lot about radical acceptance. They spend a lot of time talking about their own self-care and I think that there are a lot of girls out there that have interest in, you know, makeup especially with all the YouTube tutorials, but there are also very many that just want to take care of their skin and want to be kind to themselves and want to be good to themselves. So I think if our adolescent the female population is a representation of what they think about this cultural norm that has been set that tends to be really beauty driven. And they're beginning to challenge it. You know, my suspicion is that the tide is beginning to turn. Yeah, that's at least comforting to hear.
2: And I also think as the world has become really so easy to connect with people from all over, we're also finding that we're not just seeing a one-size-fits-all beauty image that everyone has to follow, right? We're more open to different forms of beauty, not just maybe the stereotypical uh, look or American look or Asian look or whatever it is that there's So I think that's kind of cool that our world really has become quite small and I'm I'm hopeful that there's more acceptance for all shapes and sizes and colors and all that too. So that'll be interesting. And if someone finds that they are obsessing over their appearance, their looks, how they look, they're exercising all the time, what should they do? And at what point has it gone beyond just self-care to a problem? So if
0: you see that the amount of time you're spending managing your physical appearance is beginning to impact your quality of life, your activities of daily living. You can't enjoy the things that you used to enjoy because you're so preoccupied with either invasive thoughts or coordinating the time to do the things that you do to respond to the invasive thought. We've crossed the line. And I think, you know, suggestion number one is if you find yourself doing that, go ahead and seek help immediately. And, you know, the treatment of body dysmorphic disorder, you know, eating disorders, anything that would fall under that umbrella is very specific. So you want to find someone who is trained in the treatment. And even with the body dysmorphic disorder and an eating disorder, those are two very different things. So a body dysmorphic specialist may not be an eating disorder specialist and vice versa. And so with body dysmorphic disorder, you know, the gold standard for treatment is exposure response prevention. And the way that works is the individual is placed in scenarios where they are exposed to things that would trigger that invasive thought. And that would ultimately result in, you know, whatever the repetitive behavior is, if it's checking, picking, whatever it may be. And they work on just sitting with the emotion and resisting the urge to act on it. And so for body dysmorphic disorder specifically, you're going to look for an ERP-trained therapist. If it's a disordered eating that you're seeing or an eating disorder, you want to look for an eating disorder or a disordered eating specialist. Again, there can be overlap. There are people that are trained in both, but one doesn't necessarily validate the skill set to treat the other. Medications, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, Prozac, Paxil, Zoloft, they are shown to help all forms of OCD. And again, BDD falls under that. Knowing when to turn off the things that you are being exposed to that are increasing the negative belief systems and the distorted thinking. So, you know, maybe you take a a period of time off social media. Maybe you limit the binge watching of the show where you find yourself comparing all the time. Really being mindful about your social environment. Who are you exposing yourself to? If you're hanging out with a bunch of friends who are talking about the wrinkles all the time, that's probably not good for your brain space. And so asking those folks to, you know, let's not talk about that. That's upsetting or that's distressing or like we're so much more than the wrinkles that we might have right now. So being mindful about your social circle and you're looking at all of your environments, your work environment, your home environment, you are there's additional stressors that need to be addressed in order to reduce the triggers for the BDD. Yeah, so it it sounds like it's complex
2: and it really takes time and a relationship with a skilled counselor who is knowledgeable in the treatment for BDD, right? This isn't like a quick fix. A couple sessions, you're good to go, right?
0: No, it's going to be consistent intervention with a skilled clinician that's an expert in the treatment of BDD. It may be additional medication management and there may be other therapy involved to work on initial triggers or making modifications at work or home to help create a more supportive recovery environment. Now, for those folks that are finding like maybe they're right on the tipping point of the slippery slope, getting in the habit of making sure that they're asking themselves when they find these statements of judgment, you know, am I sticking to the fact? Is this truth? Is this healthy and helpful? How I'm responding to... The fact that I have gained some weight or my muscle mass isn't where it is at 50 like it was at 25 or, you know, maybe my wrinkles are exposed in a way that they weren't before. Is the way I want to respond to it going to create a long-term healthy outcome? And if the answer to that is no, then we need to start finding healthier ways to cope. How can I manage this distressing emotion and kind of ride it out until it passes in a way that's going to be helpful? And so that might be going for a 10-minute walk instead of feeling like you need to go for an hour walk. It might be talking to a friend that always makes you laugh. It may be prayer or meditation. It may be going to get in the bathtub and putting some soothing music on and some smell good oils in your bath just to comfort yourself until the emotion pest issue. I tell my patients, I'm like, it's okay to go get a bowl of ice cream. Just don't eat the container. Go practice mindfulness with your chocolate rocky road and how it feels in your mouth and how it smells and what the temperature is and use it as a practice for mindfulness instead of guilt and shame. Yeah, I
2: love that. And I love your suggestion about just separating yourself from the environments that make you feel bad. So if you find every time you go on Instagram or look at someone's feed, then either block them or, or get off Instagram for a week and and give it a try. You're, you're going to survive. It's going to be okay. And you might actually feel a lot better just taking some time off because it is addicting. And even when you try not to make it, it can be hard. So I love that idea and those suggestions. What about for kids, like adolescents? Do we need to be more worried about them? Are there different things we should be
0: focused on just to help prevent this? In general, social media and what kids are being exposed to through television and just general media and entertainment, it stands true. So whether it's making sure that they're getting exposed to healthy beliefs about how men are supposed to care for their physical health or women are supposed to appear and that they're not getting distorted messages sent to them, you know, as parents being really mindful about what we're talking about in front of them. You know, are we talking about our all zero carb diet? Are we talking about what we weigh on the scale all the time? Are we complaining about the gray that's coming out in our hair? Again, you know, the wrinkles or a little bit of weight that we gained or are we being an example of loving our body, really enjoying movement that is joyful for us and that is, you know, how we sustain our physical health, making sure that we're getting the right amount of sleep so that we are thinking clearly that, you know, we're drinking water water and we're doing it in a way that shows moderation, that we don't feel like we need to carry around, you know, the hundred gallon um, and feel terrible about ourselves or talk about, oh, I'm so bad that I didn't drink the water today. You know, if you carry the hundred gallon, that's great. As long as you're not berating yourself at the end of the day, just because you didn't do it. But I feel like, you know, really living by example, having objective, non-judgmental. Thought that are, if stated, um, done in that manner, but that we are really mindful that we are not fixating on physical experience, appearance to define one's value. Using things like, wow, you look really healthy instead of you look so beautiful, or man, I noticed that, you know, you took the dog for a long walk today. That was really rigorous. I bet you feel great about yourself in lieu of making it physical appearance focus. So talking about value in other ways, like, oh, you looked really strong out there today on the lacrosse field, whatever it might be. That is so great. And you've got adolescent daughter and son, and I've got as well,
2: kids, almost tweens. And so I see this coming. And the importance of modeling the behavior. I don't want my kids to ever hear me say that I think I'm fat or that I need to diet. And it's so hard having a daughter. I feel like it's so ingrained in me to tell her, oh, you're so pretty. You're so beautiful. And and that's a hard one, right? Because I want to tell her you're smart. You are strong. You worked really hard. And it's super ingrained, at least in me, to call out how beautiful or pretty. And I I really have to wash myself with that. And being in the field that I'm in. I enjoy doing aesthetics and cosmetics and I I think they can be a great tool to help people feel better about themselves and boost their confidence. But there is a fine line that you can very easily cross into where it becomes damaging and harmful and quite the opposite. And so making sure that my kids feel like or my patients do that, all of this is optional, right? It's meant to make you feel good. And if it's not making you feel good and it's doing the opposite and you're obsessive about it, then it's time to stop. So those are all great tips and advice and uh, definitely something I'm working on in my family. So Tatiana, you have given us so many great pearls for all of this. If there's someone out there listening who might be struggling with some of these obsessive thoughts, you've given some great tips. What would be your sort of top three pearls for someone, kind of your takeaways?
0: Get into therapy, get off social media, and start doing things that feel healthy and helpful, that are nurturing, and that you know are going to give you a little bit of energy and a little bit of comfort but they can't be things that will eventually sabotage you. So they really need to be things that you know that if you said to a mental health professional or to a grandmother that was super nurturing or to a good friend that always feels positive when you're with that person, they need to be the things that if you said, Hey, I came home today from work and everybody in my office is always dressed to the nines. And, you know, all of these people are aesthetically just gorgeous and I was really judgmental of myself and, you know, I think I am going to do this to deal with my emotion as I'm feeling this way as I come home. If the thing that you want to do, your nurturing grandmother or your therapist or your good friend who always makes you feel good, if they would say, ooh, that doesn't sound healthy, then think about what would they tell you to do that would be a nurturing, healthy, comforting thing. So again, get into therapy, get off social media and baby yourself, take good care of yourself, stop feeding yourself up. Yeah, honestly, sometimes
2: I think we're so harsh on ourselves, we would never treat a stranger or one of our friends the way we treat ourselves and talk to ourselves, and it's just always baffling, like, wow. So,
0: yeah, take care of yourself. You deserve it. And you said something great earlier. You said, you know, aesthetics is supposed to be for you. It's supposed to make you feel good. And I really feel like aesthetics are there to enhance your beauty. Not to define your beauty. And with body dysmorphic disorder, the definition of value is, is coming from physical appearance. And that thought is so invasive that that person is responding in this behavioral way over and over and over. And it is literally hijacking their life. Totally. You can't base all your value on how you look, right?
2: Because Mother Nature can be cruel and the years are going to go by and you're more than just what you look like on the outside. The outside should reflect how you feel and and just kind of be the icing or the cherry on top. But yeah, if your whole value is how you look, it's going to be a tough, tough road out there. So yeah, focusing more on the inside um, such mindfulness, such great advice there. I love it. Well, Tatiana, this has been super amazing. I love it. Um, Such great tips and pearls for the audience. How can people follow you or reach out to you if they
0: want to continue to connect? We have lots of great therapists in both our Alpharetta and Dunwoody office. We have ERP-trained therapists in both offices. We have folks that work with eating disorders and body dysmorphic disorders and all of general mental health. And the best way to contact us is going to our website, com or following us on social media. Yeah, wonderful. Well, I will definitely
2: link that in the show notes so people can click on it and easily follow you and find you. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Skin Reel. I hope
1: it's been informative, educational, and perhaps a little entertaining. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe and share with a friend. Don't wanna stop your learning just yet? Head on over to theskinreel.com for show notes, blog, post, and so much more. Until next time, Skin Friends.